Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. Dr. Gray obtained his master's in both acupuncture and oriental medicine from the Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine. Dr. Gray enjoys both being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Germany and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and France. He is co-author of several books on food therapy. His office is in Jupiter, Florida, where he has practiced for over a decade and where he resides. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray, holistic physician. Thank you for joining us every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard on 88.9 FM WQCS. That is uh, National Public Radio, and we appreciate you also tuning in to us via iTunes. Um, so iTunes podcasting, uh, we have about probably about 80 shows in queue there. So you got a lot of catching up to do if you haven't been listening to us every week. And uh, with a new guest every week, we're so pleased to have the one we have in the studio with us today um, as we celebrate and honor and appreciate preservation and education of nature with the Hope Sound Nature Center, Debbie Fritz Quincy, the director. She's so kind to take some of her precious time out of her schedule and join us today. No problem. And also she brought her friend Bandit, uh, Baby Alligator, who you'll have to look online. Uh, if you don't follow me on social media, you'll have to, to see Bandit. He's a cutie. A beautiful baby alligator. Uh, one of two. There was Smokey and the Bandit. This is Bandit. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, yeah, if you don't follow me, it's Doc Ken on Facebook. And then there's also Instagram, um, Dr. Ken Gray. Uh, and uh, there's also Twitter and all of that. So just, you know, stay in touch. And so with Bandit and with all the other wildlife that you have, Right. It's really about education and bringing people close to nature. And it's, this takes place in Hope Sound, which is actually right. being renamed, which I have to talk right. about that as well. Um, the Hope Sound Nature Center that I work for yeah. has a very unique relationship yes. with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service because okay. we are located at the Hope Sound National Wildlife Refuge. And yes, the refuge uh, next month will have a, a ceremony, a celebration being renamed the Nathaniel P. Reed Hope Sound National Wildlife Refuge. Yes. So we're very excited and very honored uh, that his legacy will live on mm -hmm. through not only the name of the refuge and for what his contributions have been for just our, even our local area. Right. And, but it's been national for the most part oh, as far absolutely. as the effects. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about both. Why okay. is the Hope Sound National you know, uh, Nature Center and, and all of this, the national wildlife aspect of what's going on here um, uh, important? Basically, the National Wildlife Refuge got established in the late 60s, where people, local people donated the land because they were interested in not only preserving the native habitats, but they also didn't want to see the uh, development occur mm. in the area as intense as it had further south, all the way up to the county line. Mm -hmm. So um, the refuge got established. It was less than... 800 acres at that point. Now it's over a thousand. It has acquired extra acreage since its inception, and that was 50 years ago. Yeah. Uh, the Nature Center got started a couple of years later because some of the folks over on Jupiter Island 
specifically the Jupiter Island Garden Club, wanted to see the kids have something to do that would teach them about the environment. And it was about the same time that the environmental movement was getting going. Yeah. So it was a great partnership that we have enjoyed ever since, where the refuge is, takes care of the land, does the, the resource management, and we do most all the public use and all of the education mm-hmm. for everything from preschool children to adults. You know, you said something, the environmental movement. Tell me about that. Uh, well, the environmental movement really got going, uh, 50s, 60s. Yeah. Uh, so where we started really looking at things that needed to be done to protect what we already had, right. changing of some of our habits of things that we were doing that were not so good for not only the environment but also for you and I. Yeah. It was about the same time that Silent Spring came out, written by Rachel Carson. Uh, you had people like Marjorie Stoneman Douglas fighting for the Everglades, mm-hmm. Nathaniel Reed coming in, Art Marshall, you know, leading people not just here you know, that had a, a national presence, but also a, a local presence here in Florida trying to uh, make us recognize that Florida is very special. Florida is very unique, and we needed to start working to protect it for the future. Now, obviously, in your life and with what you do and uh, the supporters that you are, you know, amongst, the movement hasn't stopped. No, I think as far as environmental education, environmental education has had highs and lows, and the environmental right. movement has too. Right. But I think that now more than ever, more and more people are realizing how important it is to mm-hmm. save what we have left and yes. to do what we can. I think more and more people are realizing that everything that they do, every you know step they take, every uh, possible thing you do in your daily lives could have an effect mm-hmm. and by changing things even slightly yeah. it can really make a difference and of course education is key yes you know we've been teaching kids about the environment and hopefully some of those now are parents who are teaching their kids yeah and it, it helps to keep it going where that's the lifestyle choice of you know, making good choices for the environment. And it starts with everything from chucking, you know, non-perishables right. <laughs> out of the w- car window to to at the beach. Uh, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, like I said, it's been um, some things. It seems like we're, you know, not making the progress we should be. Yeah. But I, I guess I've, I'm a South Florida native. I've never lived north of Orlando, and I hope to be... I hope to continue being eternally optimistic yeah. that we are making it a better world for the kids down the road and their kids and future generations. Yeah. I mean, history obviously shares that there's a certain presence that we're big about this, you know, and, and did a lot to preserve land. And right. right. Um, are, are we in a s- sense where now your fight is harder because of um, maybe grants and government support not being there as or as prevalent, or am I wrong? Well, environmental education as a whole uh-huh. probably is underfunded. Okay. Um, in the school systems, there's so many other priorities and so many things that teachers have to get into their class time with their kids. Um, but there still is a strong effort to promote how important environmental education and interpretation mm-hmm. of our natural habitats is. Yeah. And then funding. Funding, um, funding kind of, again, goes up and down. Yeah. Uh, the Nature Center has grown tremendously over the years uh, from a little tiny building 
old style building to now we reach over 50,000 persons a year mm. through a variety of the programs that we do. That's fairly large amount. That's so, and that's yeah. on and off site. It's yeah. a three county area for yeah. us because of our location. We'll serve folks in the northern part of Palm Beach, yeah. Martin, and up into St. Lucie as far as Fort Pierce. As far as the uh, experience of a child coming to the center, give us an idea and a vision of what that um, looks like. Whether they come through just a visit with their families or an opportunity to come through a school pro school-aged program which yeah. we set up uh, or an outreach program, we have a variety of things that we can do on site. We do have a an exhibit hall that features over 20 different kinds of live, mostly native species of wildlife that are used in education. Yeah. So um, if a school group is coming, they may have a more formalized program or get out a chance to go hike on a nature trail with a guided naturalist, or with families, they can come in and maybe get a chance to touch yeah. something like this little guy right here, this little baby alligator, yeah, up close and learn <laughs> about alligators and how important they are. Um, we have a variety of snakes that are also used in education that are non-venomous, and yeah. we have um, we have a permanently impaired raptors. We have a barred owl and a and a red-tailed hawk. Uh, we have a spotted skunk. That's mm. a big, uh, popular to people to come see. Uh, that they can usually entice him out of his out of her home mm. with with food when groups come through, so they get a chance to see her since she's nocturnal. Yes, but uh, a lot of the animals are used in education as just a way of teaching people how important they all are. Yeah, yeah. you know, back to some of our champions in this cause of, of preserving and protecting and and inevitably ensuring our future because we're so connected and we just Thanks. really like to think we're not but we are and we are and very much so these are visionaries that that know this and see this and really um believe it to the point where they they take action and so when you talk about a champion like nathaniel reed who the renaming ceremony is coming right. up in april um he was a dear friend um of mine and a uh, patient for many years along with the family and um, we, we would talk a lot, but I just wanted to share a little bit of his background because it wasn't just someone who went out and spoke. And, no. and that he, he actually um, he served six Florida governors, two presidents in many positions, including terms as chairman of the Florida Department of Air and Water Pollution Control, uh, an assistant secretary of the U.S. Uh, Department of Interior for Fish, Wildlife and Parks. Beyond his government service, he uh, helped found 1,000 Friends of uh, Florida for, uh, and has served as both president and chairman of the board of the organization, uh, served on the boards of Atlantic Salmon Federation, Natural uh, Resources Defense Council, <laughs> National Geographic Society, Yellowstone National Park, Everglades Foundation, and Hope Rural School. I mean, the list goes on yeah, and yes. on and on. So this was a man that uh, up until his passing, God rest his soul, worked, he just worked Absolutely. and worked and worked and wrote. And uh, I mean, he just was an amazing individual. So, so these sort of uh, positions, you, what you do, everything, it doesn't come without significant effort. Well, like I said, it, it was something, like I said, as a South Florida native, I'm very yeah. passionate about our wildlife, our yeah. habitats. Um, places that I grew up have definitely changed from what they used to be. Um, so anything that I can do to get somebody excited about what we have here yeah. and be wanting to do things as an individual, make changes to their lifestyles to help protect it, yeah. um, it it's a very rewarding way 
to reach people. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm in front of a group of kids and all of a sudden you see that light bulb go off when they suddenly realize that something that they may have not ever experienced before is you know, not anything to be afraid of, but something to be excited about. Yes. That's one of my favorite things about what we do at the Nature Center with education. And it, it could be a, a small child. It could be an adult, too. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned changes. So I'm curious uh, in what you've been doing and over the years, what are some changes that we need to be aware of in the environment and with nature? I think there's a lot more uh, being brought out as far as the, the impacts of trash and litter. Uh, energy conservation is kind of been you know, up and down, um, going to cleaner energy sources, um, obviously living in Florida, climate issues, and rising sea level, those things are all going to impact our state at some point. So anything that we can do now to learn about them and see what we as an individual can do to help with that. Um, We have somewhere between 800 to 1,000 people a day moving to our state, trying to reach those folks, to acquaint them with what's here, to not be panicked when they see a full-grown alligator or a a snake, which is probably not venomous, outside mm-hmm. their door, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to recognize that you know that's what Florida is all about. Um, so that's kind of where you know I'm at, um, and I think it doesn't seem to matter what age the person is. We see a lot of people who are excited about learning about the things, mm-hmm. and um, that's 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 only going to make a difference in the long run. The you know, you're holding, obviously, you mentioned several mm-hmm. times a baby alli- uh, alligator right. or full-grown or snakes. And s- are there any, you know, and I, I notice you, you are wearing turtle right. earrings. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and I've had, I've had um, the director of the Loggerhead mm-hmm. um, Marine Wildlife Center. And right. we've spoken and shared how turtles can be such an important compass, uh, uh, beacon, um, uh, pulse on the ocean, so Absolutely. to speak. Um when we look at land and the Everglades and so forth, what priority do you place on some of the wildlife and what they can tell us, either their thriving or conditions and where we are now and some things that, that have really told you, look, we, we really need to pay attention here? Well, the overall health of things like the Florida Everglades are important to every one of us here who drinks water, yeah. who who lives anywhere even remotely in this part. When of you the say state. here, you say Florida, Any but place, I would well, think I would think the whole country is what well, absolutely, he's proven. because there's nothing else like yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and when when you see what's happening right now with the invasives, things like the pythons that are mm-hmm. invading our native habitats and removing and outcompeting native species. Um, it's it's a it's a serious issue, mm. um, and it's not just animals, it's invasive plants too, which has been an ongoing battle. Um, The sea turtles are a great uh, barometer of our oceans. Our areas here where we have nesting of our sea turtles, our beaches are critical for their success. So groups like the Nature Center and people like Loggerhead have a chance to take people out to see those nesting turtles in a way that doesn't disturb them or scare them off the beach that's going to also help right. to let people understand some of the issues that our coastal areas and our oceans are facing. Right. Um, you know, and I, I just want to remind everyone, if you 
tuned in a little bit late. We're sitting here with Debbie Fritz Quincy, director of the Hope Sound Nature Center, uh, soon to be renamed Nathaniel Reed. Uh, Nathaniel P. Reed, Hope Sound National Wildlife Refuge. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it is a private nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting an, uh, environmental awareness in the people of all ages. The center offers a variety of environmental education presentations to schools and organizations as well as supplementary activities for the public, including turtle walks, summer camps, evening forums, scrub tours, and more. What are your favorite aspects of this, what you do? I love, I still love working with school children yeah. of all ages, but I do also really enjoy the sea turtle walks. Um, I run most of those in the evening during the summer, and I never get tired, even those hot, buggy late nights mm -hmm. on the beach, getting to watch those amazing moms crawl up on the beach and do what they do, and mm. I never get tired of that. Yeah. Uh, I've often kidded that when I retire, I can't imagine my summers not being out on the beach a yeah. couple of nights a week, sharing that yeah. with people and seeing it up. Because no matter how many times you see the same thing, same kind of turtle, it's still exciting. It is. Yeah. And, it's, and it's even more exciting when you have little ones. Yes. Yeah, mine are um, older now and getting older every day. Oh. <laughs> yes. But I remember those days where you go out and you're holding one in your hand and you're yeah, holding one by the hand. So yeah. They're just, yeah. their faces light up when you see them. You know, when you absolutely. see the turtles come absolutely. up. And, uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. What are some um, events coming up that we should really sort of be aware um, of and, and maybe hopefully attend? Um, we do, we're do. we running a program series right now that's uh, got a couple more weeks on it. We were running uh, Tuesday morning hikes, yeah. Thursday evening lectures. Uh, tomorrow night is the one on, tomorrow night is a gopher tortoise presentation. Mm. And next week we actually have a night hike out at... Uh, Riverbend Park in Western Palm Beach County. But we also have a major fundraiser coming up. Uh, Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel. Yeah, I will be that. coming and uh, we have a fundraiser coming up yeah. over on Jupiter Island. Yeah, I, on got, the 11th my, of I April. got my ticket right away because yeah. I know that's going to probably it sell out be, really quick. We're hoping if it so. Hasn't. We're yeah. hoping so. It's going to be yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and Jim Cantori, he's kind of become this really exciting uh, public figure for weather. Yes. Uh, yes. Over the years, so it should be it should be fun, um, as well as educational. Right, and I'm looking forward to hearing you know more of the stories of mm -hmm. some of the things that he has covered and done mm -hmm. through his work with the Weather Channel. So it should be a should be a great I, evening. How would one attend this? Uh, um, I mean, you I can know contact I our office but, yeah. if you didn't have it. If we can send out an invitation, mm -hmm. you can contact the Nature Center, and we'd be happy to send out an invitation to somebody who's uh, interested. Mm -hmm. And, uh, or they can contact us through our website the same way. Okay. You want to share the website? Our website is www.hobesoundnaturecenter.com. Mm -hmm. And the phone number, I believe, is 772? 546. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 2067. All right. right. Let's repeat that for our listeners, 772-546-2067. And that's the hobesoundnaturecenter.com. So that's that's coming up. And then as far as summer camps which I we're think, getting ready to yeah. i think our brochures are at the printer we'll right. start the summer camps uh, we have a camp five weeks of camp for ages six to twelve right we have another camp which is called a young naturalist camp which is a three-day program called young naturalist camp for mm -hmm. 10 to 14 year olds mm -hmm. that gives them a little bit more in depth about some of the habitats that we're at and also a little bit more in the animal care 
we have volunteers who start at age 13. Mm-hmm. So some of those, it gives the young naturalist camp kids a little advanced okay. information to be a little bit more trained if they want to start volunteering with us. Yeah. So that'll be happening, and all that registration will open up next month. We have a big Earth Day event. That's the last Saturday of the month this year. Uh, the morning is a Hook Kids on Fishing Clinic, where kids 5 to 14 can come learn everything they want to learn about how to fish, uh, conservation, learn mm-hmm. how to cast, learn how to tie on your hook and bait your hook. Yep. Uh, equipment is provided. We have experts that come in from Anglers for Conservation and then the kids get a couple hours down by the water, or at least as much time as they want, down mm-hmm. by the water to try their new skills, and they take the equipment with them afterwards. And then our afternoon activities usually are waiting in the grass flats, yeah. where kids can go out with their families and catch small marine animals and then look at them all, learn about the estuary and its importance, and then put everything back. Yes. So You know, I, as a parent and as a person who is a big um, supporter of environmental healing, I can't say enough and speak enough about fishing and how that engages our youth. Absolutely. And, you know, once you catch your first fish, it seems that you're hooked in many ways. Absolutely. And it, and it connects you with the water. It connects you with wildlife. And I know, know I caught my first one at age four mm-hmm. uh, up at the Chesapeake with mm-hmm. family visiting yeah. in the summer. And, and uh, you know, that was just kind of the start of a lifelong, enjoyable yeah. You know, hobby. Once that's it. Yeah. And, and for yeah. as soon as my kids could walk, I put a rod in their hand. And it, it's never waned. It's always just grown, you know, as far as their interest right. uh, and, right. and in the environment, their appreciation. And even some that want to be, you know, geologists or <laughs> want to travel and explore. And um, it's amazing how that will, will do that and inspire that connection. Um, you know, you have the fish and you have, you know, the walks. You know, one thing that I did, which I don't have to do much of it, but walking through the marshes <laughs> <laughs> and being about knee high and, you know. And mud. Yeah. I had the opportunity as a child yeah. to um, hike through the, not only the Big Cypress, but of course oh. the Everglades National Park area yeah. with classes and, and organized groups to really, truly immerse into the habitats. Yeah. And those are some of my favorite favorite memories that I will never yeah. and I will always treasure. It takes some courage coming from Flushing Queens as I did to <laughs> <laughs> then move to, you know, Florida and then experience yeah. that and walk through and just imagine what's below <laughs> the surface well, of the water. Well, when I was a kid, I was outside. Yeah. I mean, my parents had to drag me inside. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of kids don't have that opportunity. Yeah. Like I did. And, and uh, like I said, I'm most content, most happy when I'm outside yeah. enjoying a, or watching for, one of For them. families, some of it is getting over that fear of being outdoors Absolutely. and being part of wildlife. So and I think, not understanding yeah. what you've, you may come across when right. you're there. Yeah, because yeah, you, know, you tend to want to live this protected life inside of your you know, concrete walls and plush furniture and all that, and not realizing that there's this whole other world, everything else is going on. Now that's and, what we try to promote yeah, at the yeah, center, try to... Right get people outside and, and not be afraid of, yeah. like I said, the snake you might come across or getting too close to something or getting bit by some kind of bug. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I, uh, I've recommended it for parents, especially with kids with ADHD, ADD, Absolutely. depression, anxiety. Absolutely. Um, there's something harmonizing and balancing about nature and And it's holding. been proven and shown in all yeah. kinds of studies for yes. over and over. Yeah. Yes. 
So that's um, that's a big aspect of the healing that can be found. So if you're a parent out there, even if you yourself as a an adult have issues with anxiety and stress and depression, mm -hmm. it will change your life to that's go nice. into nature, immerse yourself, remember what it's like to be one with it, to hold something wild and um, interesting and with different textures and see how there's consciousness beyond the television or <laughs> what you like to place on the importance of the television. And uh, that's the real news, right? What's going on in nature is the real news. That's really what's happening right now. And we need to be fond of that and be um, not fearful of it. So I'm going to be holding bandit <laughs> in a second and I'm going to do that um, f uh, also on video I'm going to ask Mike McGann my my editor here <laughs> he's going to help me out with that so I hope you guys will uh, view some social media and uh, stay in touch and also um, if you've missed any portion of this show iTunes uh, podcasting is really good uh, for keeping up and, and in touch with us and uh, again we've been with the Hope Sound Nature Center Director, Debbie Fritz Quincy, soon to be the Nathaniel P. Reed. Hope Sound National Wildlife Refuge and then Nature Center. Yes. Yeah. And uh, for more information, contact them at the HopesoundNatureCenter.com. Uh, just HopesoundNatureCenter.com, not the, and that's a www. And um, what you can do is volunteer. You can support. It's privately held, so donations are welcome. Right. And uh, we need to keep these 1,000 acres and maybe even add some more thousands of acres um, because if we don't preserve it we lose it and if we lose it we lose ourselves so we really appreciate you joining us and I'm gonna My hold pleasure. myself some bandit who was named Ben after smoking the bandit so yes, yes. so we got he and his his uh, sibling right yeah. after Bert passed away and right. Bert lived right next to the National Wildlife Refuge and a big supporter for many years, of course, so yeah. we figured that was a good tribute good what is the universe trying to tell us now well, you can find out Saturday, April 27th from 12 to 3 p.m. at the New Norton Museum of Art Stiller Auditorium at the first annual Star Summit Talk with special panelists, Brown University astrophysicist Dr. Stefan Alexander, Director of Science Institute at St. John's College, Peter Pesek, John Bell, Director of the Planetarium at IRSC, Functional Medicine Doctor, Mark Gokey, as well as Functional Nutritionist, Mary Gokey. We'll see you there at the first annual Star Summit Talk, Science, Technology, Arts, Renaissance, moderated by yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray, Holistic Physician. Purchase your tickets via eventbrite.com today. I'm going to hold Bandit and see you next time. Oh, beautiful, heroes proved in liberating strife. Self, yeah, country loved.